Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin County Medical Center, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin County Medical Center, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. As I mentioned earlier, it is an open line show today, which means you drive the show. Your calls and text messages for Dr. Hilden is, is, is all our now. So if you have a general health question for the doctor, this is your chance. Let me give you the phone number first. 651-989-9226. We've cleared the lines. If you want to fill them, you know we always tend to get busy on an open line show. 651-989-9226. Or you can uh, send Dr. Hilden your text at 81807, like some folks have already uh, done. Now, what about uh, tweeting? Hey, Danny. Uh, yeah, you could tweet me as well. Good morning, at by DR, the way. Good morning. <laughs> at Dr. David Hilden is my Twitter handle, Dr. David Hilden, all one word. If you put the hashtag Healthy Matters in there, it'll get saved uh, right to the show's archive. So tweet me a question as well. I got my. Uh, uh, we're all set up. We're wired yeah. for sound here. We've got yeah, text, we and there already are some text messages here. Yeah. So good morning, everybody. It's, uh, it is an open line show. I did want to highlight one thing about the month of October that is not pumpkin spice or fall leaf related. It's also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. October. In the month of October. And uh, we haven't done as much about breast cancer this uh, in, in the preceding weeks, but we're going to now. Today's a, an open line show, but next week... I've invited my uh, friend and colleague, the Assistant Chief of Radiology at Hennepin County Medical Center, to talk about mammography. Everything you want to know about getting your mammogram um, from the people who actually do it. Mm -hmm. I might um, also try to get one of the mammogram techs. Um, these are the people that uh, women and men, but mostly women, you'll, the ones you'll actually see when you go to get your mammogram, the one that um, that that runs the machine, helps you out, explains the process, someone who's actually doing it. So I'm going to try to get somebody, one of those uh, professionals here, along with Dr. Sievert, to tell us about what he's looking for. He's the guy sitting there in the dark room reading your mammogram to see if he thinks you do or do not have a lump or a cancer in your breast. So for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're going to be doing that. And um, it's going to be, it's a good future in breast care at HCMC and Hennepin in general because when we open our new building, the Clinic and Specialty Center, next March 26th, on the first floor is the Breast Care Center, named after the Wanzak family. And it's going to be state-of-the-art ways to get your uh, your mammography, get readings very quickly. It's going to be quick to get in and quick to get out, and it's going to be very patient-centered in the new uh, Breast Care Center at HCMC, and that's going to open in March of next year. 
But for October of 2017, Breast Cancer Awareness, tune in next week. Next week now. Everything you want to hear about mammography from the people who would know the best. And as always, go to uh, myhealthymatters.org for more information about anything I talk on the show. MyHealthyMatters.org. I did a post last week that's proving to be quite popular about colds and flus. Remember uh-huh. last week yes, we were talking yes. about that a lot, Denny? Oh, yes. Everybody's sneezing. Everybody's got coughs. And what's a cold and what's a flu? And the third thing, what's an allergy? So I did a post. It's called, is it a cold or is it the flu? And I just did some very basics about the two of those things. So go to MyHealthyMatters.org, like many, many others have already done, and check that out. So easy to do. Just MyHealthyMatters.org in your browser, and it'll be the first thing you see. As you mentioned, it is an open line show today. Uh, That means your phone calls and text messages and tweets, that's going to drive the show. So take advantage of it. 651-989-9226. They're calling in, uh, and they're texting as well. That number. should we start with? Uh, let's grab my, maybe in a first text here. Should we do we'll some do, texts? Yeah, and then we'll get to the phones as we collect the, the topics. Again, uh, the text number is 81807. You have one there? That, There's uh, several here. The very first one uh, that came in said, let's see, I've already lost. Here it is. What info do you have on sarcoidosis? My husband might have it. So sarcoidosis is one of those kind of mimicking diseases that, to be honest, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Texter, we don't know what causes it really, but it's thought to be an immune, an autoimmune process, which is sort of like when a doctor says, yeah, I think you have a virus. When we say, yeah, I think it's an autoimmune process, it's, it's likely your own body's immune system is, is out of whack overly rambunctious and doing bad things. Sarcoidosis is little teeny clusters of cells called granulomas um, and a reaction to something, perhaps something you are breathing. We don't know. Hmm. But what it can affect your lungs, your eyes, your heart, your skin. Those are the biggies that I'm thinking of. And, And it can cause problems in all those areas. So it can lead to vision problems. It can lead to lung problems, which is usually a shortness of breath and a cough. It can lead to a skin rash. It can actually be anywhere in your body, but those are the big areas. And sometimes the symptoms are hard to pinpoint because there's not exactly a blood test for it. So if you're having weird symptoms in any of your organs, you know, your eyes, your, your lungs, and et cetera, sometimes your doctor will say, gee, I wonder if this could be sarcoid. And then they start taking x-rays and the like. There is no cure for sarcoidosis, but it is um, treatable with uh, immunosuppressant drugs like prednisone and other drugs. And sometimes, in fact, in a lot of people, it just goes away. Um, And you have a problem and it goes away. And we don't know why that happens either. But uh, if you have any weird symptoms that are not explainable by something else, it's usually not the first thing your doctor thinks of because it's not all that common. Uh, But uh, go to your, your general doctor if you have it. And if you don't, um, try to see somebody who deals in sarcoidosis. Like if it's in your lungs, see a lung doctor. If it's in your eyes, see an eye doctor. Okay. That kind of thing. 651-989-9226 or send a text, 81807. Let's go to Arlington. Martha, is there? Martha, you're on CCO. Good morning. I have a question about trans-ischemic global amnesia in connection with bleeding on the brain in the area where your memory is. And what can be, if there is anything to do for it, and what to expect? Right. Um, good questions, and probably going to be a, a rough one for me to, for, to talk too much about, given that it's a, it's a pretty specialized area. Um, but let me give it a shot, Darlene. So uh, anytime you, get, you lack blood flow to any portion of your brain, 
kind of like a stroke. And that's what ischemic is. Ischemia is lack of blood flow, a lack of oxygen. It can cause problems. And if it does go through the area of your brain that is mostly um, where your memories are stored, it can cause you can't, can't remember things. And um, as uh, people who have had a stroke can sometimes tell you. So uh, what is the prognosis and what's the outlook? That's very difficult to say because every person's different. You can, you can have, for instance, a very little teeny thing in your brain and you don't have any symptoms. Or you can have a really massive one and it can be a bigger deal. Um, so I, all, all I can suggest, um, without getting too specific, is, is to see a neurologist and see a variety of therapists to help out. For instance, an occupational therapist is an expert also in cognition and helping people get about their daily lives who are having memory and cognition problems. So maybe go to an occupational therapist. Um, And um, you can see neuropsychologists who help out with neurologic problems in the brain that might be leading to other kind of problems, even personality and and memory problems. And, of course, see a neurologist. Um, That's the main person that you should be seeing. A specialist would be a neurologist. That might be all I can say on it, darling. I wish I could say more, um, uh, but uh, I can't for two reasons. One, it's not my area of expertise, and so I'd be kind of out of line if I said too much more. And two, every case is so different in um, neurologic things and in the brain, so I can't say a whole lot more specific than than that, but I hope that was a little bit helpful. All right. Let's see who's next. Uh, Renee is calling in from Bloomington. Renee, you're on with Dr. Hilden. Um, Is acetaminophen... An opioid? Uh, the short answer is no. In fact, that might be the long answer as well. No. Acetaminophen is Tylenol and, uh, uh, and is entirely unrelated to the opioids, which are, are synthetic or natural uh, drugs that come from um, poppies or opium. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the one that people would have heard of in, in an opioid, the classic one, is morphine. But the other opiates, the synthetic ones, would be things like fentanyl, oxycodone, hydrocodone, uh, things like that. Um, acetaminophen is simply Tylenol and has nothing to do with opioids. It's not addictive. It doesn't. It works completely differently. That being said, many of the pain medications that get prescribed to people contain both an opioid and acetaminophen. So the brand name Percocet has both oxycodone and acetaminophen in it. The brand name Vicodin has both hydrocodone and acetaminophen in it. So many of the painkillers that you might be taking have both an opioid and acetaminophen, but the short answer is no. Acetaminophen by itself is not an opioid. What's the deal as far as acetaminophen about taking too much? What, yeah. what, what can that affect That's you? A, How can that? Thanks, Denny, for that because what, what the deal is on acetaminophen or the brand name Tylenol, you might know it as Tylenol. Everybody thinks it's the safest thing on planet yeah. Earth. It's actually not. Uh, if you take eight extra-strength Tylenols in a day, you're at overdose levels. So we usually tell people four grams a day or 4,000 milligrams. Well, there's 500 milligrams in one extra strength. So if eight of them in a day, that's too many. And if you're a regular alcohol drinker, eight's way too many because they both hurt your liver. So Tylenol or acetaminophen toxicity or overdose is actually life-threatening. So take everything as directed. Take everything in the lowest doses you can. A texter wants to know about trigger finger. What can be done? What 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 is that? And how? What's the treatment? Yeah, yeah. You think of you know what um, a little nodule that forms on the on your tendons in your fingers. And if the one, it's called trigger finger because we often think of it as the trigger finger. Think of yourself shooting a firearm, 
and you know pulling a trigger with your index finger. Um, it, you can get these bumps on the on them, and what they are is that your tendons in your hands run through a little sheath, a, a lubricating sheath that allows us to do things like play the violin and mm. well operate our fingers, <laughs> play the piano, pull a trigger, any of that. Um, and otherwise, the friction from all that movement in your hands would would prevent it. You couldn't move your fingers. Well, little nodules can form, and that's a trigger finger, and it can get frozen in place. And you can try things like um, uh, anti-inflammatories and the like, but if it's really bad, really the only decent treatment is uh, a surgery, and it's mild. That's a mild surgery. So they can sometimes release that. Um, But short of that, go to a physical therapist, or even more importantly, not a physical therapist, an occupational therapist who will do, who works with hands. A hand therapist is your best friend. And that's an occupational therapist if you have trigger finger. And they can work it out so you maybe don't need a surgery. i tell you what, doctor, we have to take a break, as usual. We have more show to come, though. There's a line open at 651-989-9226. It is an open line show today. That means your questions for Dr. Hilden. Or send a text, and we'll get back to that and the phone calls as well. So those folks on the line, hang on. We'll be right back after this quick break. In the Twin Cities, overcast, CCO temperature reading 49, going to about 64 today. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. This morning, it's an open line show. Your uh, your questions for Dr. Hilden, either by phone or by text. And there is one line open if you'd like to fill it, 651-989-9226. Text, by the way, and we'll get back to those in a moment, 81807. Sharon is calling from Roseville with a question. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. I, uh, I uh, Several years ago, I had a Morton's neuroma removed from my right foot. Uh, following that, the toes on that foot were numb. Uh, since then, uh, the, I got burning in my feet, and I got uh, uh, the numbness and tingling in my right left foot. I went to the doctor because I was worried about uh, um, diabetes, and he said, no, you don't have diabetes, but he didn't say what was causing it. It is now interrupting my sleep. It is really a problem. Um, I don't know what to do next. Yeah, good questions, all of them, Sharon. Uh, I think my first response is I doubt it's related to the Morton's uh, neuroma. Uh, Morton's neuroma, um, for others who maybe aren't familiar with that, is a little swelling, almost like a tumor of the nerve sheath in your foot, usually on the bottom, usually in between the second and third toes, but it's right out there by the toes, often treatable with a surgery. But that's a very localized thing. A Morton's neuroma is right there at the ball of your foot or at the base of the toes. And when you've got a problem in the other foot now and you've got things that's numb when you're in, at night, that sounds worse than a Morton's neuroma. It, sounds, it does sound like you're having some kind of neuropathy. My first thought, Sharon, is that it's, a, it's mechanical. In other words, something's getting pinched. And if, they're getting, if your nerves are getting pinched in your lower spine, that could lead to numbness even when you're just lying in bed. Um, if it's much worse when you are walking, in other words, uh, the mechanical act of walking on your feet is making it worse, then it could be something down all the way down in your feet. But it sounds like to me it might be up higher in your spine. And so perhaps a neurologist or your primary doctor could look at your lower back and see if there's any problems there. You brought up diabetes because diabetes is probably the leading cause of um, metabolic neuropathies. In other words, a a neuropathy not caused by a mechanical pinching problem but by a metabolic problem in your body, in this case diabetes. It would be the number one cause of numbness. But it doesn't come on quickly. 
Diabetes neuropathy comes on very slowly, starts in the toes and works its way all the way up towards your, the, your, up your legs. Uh, and it comes on slowly and only after you've had diabetes a, a long time, many years. So it's not usually how we diagnose diabetes. So I doubt it's that. You could have B12 deficiencies. You could have um, other vitamin deficiencies, iron deficiency, magnesium, calcium, potassium. So perhaps get all those things checked out. Uh, those are some some suggestions. And if none of that's helping, go see a neurologist. They can do nerve studies, which aren't which aren't a picnic. It's not the it's not the most fun day you're ever going to have having them stick little electrodes in your body and and see how your nerves conduct. But that that's what you could do if all these other things I've suggested haven't helped. Okay, very good. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. We'll get to the text messages again in uh, just a moment. We do have callers that have been waiting. Uh, while Dale is calling from St. Paul, uh, Dale, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. Okay, uh, approximately two years ago, diagnosed diagnosed with the diabetes. I was, I was about 50 years old. Blood sugar was extremely high, up in the 500s. Okay, now fast forward. Now change of lifestyle, lost some weight, more active. My blood sugar uh, is down to if it's 120, 130. It's that's high for me. Um, back to work, very active. Now I'm only taking, um, I'm down to just taking a Victoza during the day. I'm basically not even taking an insulin that day, during the day or the Bacillar at night. I'm trying to get myself off of that. My blood sugar has been good, keeping the weight down. Now, is this a remission thing in your opinion, or is this can this be uh, wiped off the off the slate there. I just want your opinion. It's a good question, and you're on such the right path, uh, Dale. Um, uh, so diabetes isn't technically curable, but it's really manageable, and you can manage your way right off of medications in some case. It is not inevitable that you'll be on medications forever with diabetes, although I do have to say it's the most common thing. If anything, most of us are adding on medications. But things you can do um, are... Uh, or what anybody can do is lifestyle things, eating right, watching your diet, eating consistent diets um, uh, with, uh, with consistent and lower levels of carbohydrates, avoiding simple sugars, exercising, and most importantly of all for diabetes is weight loss. Um, you can practically get rid of diabetes with simple weight loss, but it needs to be you know, 10 pounds, 15, 20 Whatever weight you need to lose, you can almost get rid of diabetes. In your case, you sound like you're working your way to greatness. I mean, it really is yeah. working. And if you keep it up, you could potentially continue to peel back your medications. Um, so that's a really good thing. Um, uh, whether We don't use the word remission, really, but we do the word control. And your glycemic control is probably getting much better. The number to look for is that hemoglobin A1C. It should be less than 6%. The di- definition of diabetes is 6.5%, but it would be great if it were under 6%. Mm-hmm. And if it were, you could maybe get off those medications. Excellent. Thank you, Dale. Uh, let's see who's next. Uh, Tim is calling from Brooklyn Park. Tim, you're on with the doctor. Hi, I got a couple questions here. Um, um, I don't have, I'm 57 years old. I don't have no history of colostomy, but they they told me about a test that I put a stool sample on a um, piece of cardboard and I sent it into the clinic. Um, just want to know how reliable that is and if that's a good choice. And the other one, is I've been taking Ephedra since 1995 for, for energy boost and alertness. Um, is there any long-term effects to that? All right, let's start out. Thanks, Tim, for your questions. The first one, the stool occult blood test, that's the little stool sample, are good. 
Um, I, it, they're, they're looking for blood you cannot see, but, uh, but that would be indicative of something that requires further testing. The old ones were called stool guayac, and they were pretty good, but not as good. The new ones are called um, – they have a uh, – uh, they're a more modern version, and um, I believe they call them oh, – what is it? I-FIT or something, I-F-I-T or something like that, fecal immunotest or something like that. Um, but yes, they're pretty darn good, but you need to do them every single year, and if they're positive, you need to go and get a colonoscopy. So, so the colonoscopy is sort of the gold standard for looking for colon cancer, but it is invasive, and not everybody wants to do it, and it's a kind of a hassle, and it costs a lot. If, you're, if you are so inclined, simply getting the stool test is a reasonable alternative to that, as long as you do it, do it as directed, do it every year, and follow it up if it's not positive. I mean, if it's not normal. In other words, if it is positive. In medicine, positive is bad. Whenever I say something's positive, it's bad. Yeah, so if it is not normal, then you should go ahead and have it followed up. Um, let me see your second question. Oh, you were about something about ephedra. Um, I'm not sure what the long-term consequences of that would be, but um, uh, it, it's, it's from a plant as best I can tell, and I'm worried about anything that people take in a pill form to give them energy. I'm worried about other than the caffeine that I'm drinking now. <laughs> which has not been shown to be unsafe. Uh, I, I worry about anything that's in a. I don't care if it's natural, synthetic, or if it came from a plant or it came from the moon. If you're taking something for energy, I worry a little bit about that. That being said, I don't have any idea um, uh, if it's helpful uh, or if it's harmful, and it probably has more effects than we know. So if you're, it's it's a stimulant as best I can tell. It's probably uh, – and any kind of stimulants could potentially have some long-term unknown effects. So if I were you, I'd get off of it. That would be my recommendation. I would get off of it. Um, but I'm basing that on nothing more than a hunch. <laughs> I don't have any any more information than that. All right. I know we have to break here. We have another at least half hour of the show to go. So those folks on the line, hang on. Don't go away. We'll pick up on your calls right after the break. Texters as well. Our phone number is 651-989-9226. And the text number is 81807. And just a reminder of uh, next week's show, for those that just joined us late. Man. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And next week, my good friend and radiologist, Tony Sievert. Dr. Sievert's going to talk about mammography. He's the actual expert. He knows exactly what this, how, what happens, what they're looking for. If you want to hear it directly from an expert about it, it's going to be about mammography and breast cancer next week in, um, in recognition of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Very good. As we take this break in the Twin Cities, it's uh, overcast. Current CCO temperature reading, 49. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. Your host, Dr. David Hilden, is feeling, fielding your calls and text messages and your tweets. I always have to add that to And your tweets at Dr. David Hilden. Very good. Our n- number is 651-989-9226. We're going to get to the phones, but we have a lot of text messages. We uh, want to field In- a few of those. Indeed we do. If I could, I'll do some text messages. Good morning, one and all. Uh, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I haven't forgotten. We are going to do a show all about it starting uh, or next week. So you'll be wanting to tune in for that. I'm going to have my friend uh, Dr. Tony Sievert, who is, uh, in my opinion, one of the best radiologists I've ever known. And he is uh, reads mammograms as one of the many things he does. And so we're going to hear from an expert about mammography, the good and the bad. 
There's not much bad to it, believe me, the good, <laughs> and why you should get one and what they're looking for. And if I can uh, arrange it, I'm going to try to have one of the mammography techs in as well. These are the men, and uh, mostly women, who um, help out uh, women get their mammograms. Um, so they're the, they're the experts at the, uh, of what happens when you go in for your mammogram. So that's going to be next week. For more information about colds and flus, be sure to go to myhealthymatters.org. Or for anything about the show, maybe you missed a past show, maybe you want to listen to a podcast. If you don't know what a podcast is, it's way easier than you think. Just go to myhealthymatters.org and you can listen to previous shows on your own time. And um, my most recent post is about colds and flus and what's the difference between them. So that's at myhealthymatters.org. And if you're really cool, you might want to sign up by email to get notified every time a new bit of information goes on the on the site, myhealthymatters.org. Okay, here's some text messages. Here's one that says, is ibuprofen better than acetaminophen? The answer is not always. Um, they're, they're just two different medications. Acetaminophen goes under the brand name Tylenol. And uh, ibuprofen goes under the brand name Advil or Motrin. Um, ibuprofen is a non-steroidal and, and acetaminophen is not. So they just work differently. Um, the, the deal is they both have their ups and their downsides. Acetaminophen is very good for lowering fevers and for your mild headaches and maybe for arthritis pain. Ibuprofen is an anti-inflammatory, so it's really good for um, uh, uh, um, and it, uh, also for arthritis, for headaches, for muscle aches and pains. Um, so they're they're both probably okay. Um, ibuprofen is not great for people with heart failure. It's also not great for people with kidney disease. And acetaminophen is not great for people with liver disease. Um, let's see. How about this one? Um, this one came a little earlier in the show. If you've been diagnosed with H. pylori, how long does it take for the antibiotics to work? And how long are you contagious to your family? So H. pylori is a bacteria that lives in your stomach, and you're not really ever contagious to your family. It's in your stomach. And so uh, I wouldn't worry about that. We don't usually – although it's a bacteria, which is technically transmissible to other people, it's not the big problem with H. pylori. The big problem with H. pylori is that it leads to ulcers. That's an interesting medical bit of history, actually. There was like – nobody knew what caused ulcers. Everybody thought it was stress in your life or maybe it's your eating – I don't know, spicy food. Some some doctor about 30 years ago suggested that there's a bacteria that calls ulcers and he was he was like booed off the stage. Really? And, oh, they were, you know, throwing rotten tomatoes and lettuce at him and cheering and booing and he was laughed off the stage. That guy was right. <laughs> that you never know who's going to be right. So now we do know that most ulcers are caused by a bacteria in your stomach. The treatment is three medications, sometimes four, but usually three medications. Uh, twice a day for two weeks. That's how long you take it. And the antibiotics work in within those two weeks, and then it usually eradicates it. Do I have time for another one? Uh, let's do one more, then we'll get to the phone. All right. Good morning. My dad was recently diagnosed with Parkinsonism. Are you familiar with this? And if so, what can you tell me about it? Thank you from Jill. Well, Jill, Parkinson's disease with a capital P and a capital D is a neuromuscular disorder in which dopamine isn't working quite right in your brain. And so it's, it's um, characterized by movement problems. Typically, patients have a shuffling gait. They tend to have troubles with inertia. They have trouble starting walking, and once you're walking, you have trouble stopping. Um, so so um, you have – it can also lead to some dementia problems, and it leads to a very characteristic slow-frequency tremor in your hand. Just when your hand's at rest, it's called a pill-rolling tremor because it, imagine you've got a pill – between your thumb and forefinger, and it's just kind of rolling in your hand at four four beats per second. That's roughly what Parkinsonism. 
If your hand is shaking much faster than four times a second, that's more uh, likely a benign non-Parkinson tremor. There is um, those symptoms with a lowercase p is are can exist in the absence of Parkinson's disease, or then they're called Parkinsonism. Um, the deal is that it's treatable, not curable. So Parkinson's disease has some good treatments. You need to see a neurologist um, early, and so uh, that's my suggestion: see a neurologist. There are medications, there are therapies that are needed. There are supportive things that are needed. The most famous person I can think of with Parkinson's is Michael J. Fox and the Parkinson's Foundation. Um, I believe that's his group or the one he's been associated Mm -hmm. with. He got it very young. So um, you could look that one up online, um, um, Michael J. Fox's foundation. All right, very good. Let's go back to the phones. Jerry has been waiting there in Maplewood. Uh, Jerry, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. What can we do for you? Okay, I'm an active 90-year-old. And uh, I'm the caretaker of my wife, who's on oxygen 24-7. My question is, I suddenly, about well, three weeks ago, came down with a case of shingles on my forehead that goes up into the middle of my scalp. And doctor gave me some uh, cream, which I can't pronounce the name of this, triamcinolone. Triamcinolone. And uh doesn't seem to help, and uh, I don't know. I'm just wondering, does this stuff finally go away? Yeah. Yeah, great questions, all of them, Jerry. Sorry um, for you, um, because it can be a bummer. The triamcinolone is going to do virtually nothing except maybe help um, with some itchiness. But the shingles, um, you've described it perfectly. Your shingles is, you know, shingles is the chickenpox virus that lives in your body, has probably been there in your case for 80 years. It's been there where, since whenever you got chickenpox. And it reactivates sometime later in your life when your body's least expecting it, when your immune system isn't all that it should be any longer. And it shows up in one nerve. Yours is in the first division of the fifth cranial nerve, also known as the trigeminal nerve and even more specifically the ophthalmic branch of you, the trigeminal nerve, and it's right there in your forehead. Um, it will go away on its own, Jerry. The rash will take one to three weeks, but it will go away, um, it, just like the chickenpox rash does. And you don't really have to do anything except just symptomatic relief. You don't even have to put that cream on there. Your doctor might give you some medications to help the pain. There are some medications that might help you with that. Sometimes after the rash goes away in a one to three weeks, uh, you'll have some residual pain that sadly can last for months or even longer. That's called post-herpetic neuralgia. But it should all go away. It really will, Jerry. It's just a, a, a bummer when you have it. Two things to note. When you have shingles on your forehead, it can also involve the eye. So what I strongly recommend if you haven't done it, your doctor should have already told you this, go to an eye doctor. When the shingles is in your forehead, you need to go to your eye doctor because it can go into your eye and lead to vision problems. If the shingles is on your back or your leg, you don't have to go to anybody else. But if it's in your forehead, go to an eye doctor. The second thing is that it is contagious to people who have not had chicken pox. So it's contagious to little children, and it's very dangerous to pregnant women. So stay away from those two groups of people. Other than that, um, you have to stick it out. All right, very good. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, Sammy is calling in from Appleton with a question. Uh, Sammy, you're on with the doctor. Hi. I was wondering if it's normal to have life-threatening allergies to ibuprofen. Um, Good question, Sammy. Great question. Um, It's not common. Let's put it that way. Um, is it normal? Well, 
You can have an allergy to darn near anything. Um, allergies to ibuprofen are are possible, but I haven't heard about them so much. It doesn't mean it's not – so it's not terribly common. But life-threatening allergies can occur to anything we stick in our mouth or if, also to bee stings and other things. And so if someone has a real allergy, and that would be things like your throat is swelling up, you can't swallow, you are having trouble breathing, um, that's what life-threatening allergies look like, then – yeah, I guess it's possible, although a um, little less common. Things that it's very common to have life-threatening allergies to are bee stings, peanuts, certain antibiotics like penicillin, the bland old penicillin. People have life-threatening reactions to that. Um, so if you're wondering about that, then go see an allergist. Other side effects of ibuprofen are like queasy stomach, bleeding, um, Things, nausea, that's not an allergy. That's simply a side effect. All right. We need to take a break, a quick one, but we have more show to come. It's an open line show today. Your phone calls and text messages driving the show. In the Twin Cities, mostly cloudy skies. Our temperature rating currently 48. We're hoping to hit near 64 later today. You stay tuned to CCO. Uh, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today, and that means we have your phone calls, your text messages uh, and I tell you what, you see, Doctor Hill, and a lot of text messages. Whoa, Let's boy! See if we can't pick. There's up a lot. Here. I'll try to be fast. I'm okay. gonna, a lightning round on some text. Here's someone says ephedra, ephedrine, and that's a form of speed. Uh, that's in reference to an earlier caller about should you take ephedra. And this texter is correct. Um, I would not take things like ephedra. It is a stimulant. It is a form of like amphetamine. You shouldn't take it. Um, let's see. Next question here. Uh, on the text line, oops, I'm sorry, I lost it. Is is the first response to high cholesterol to take statins, or should one try to change diet first? I would always try to change your diet first. That's the first thing you should do. Um, eat differently, exercise more, and if you're and then get your cholesterol rechecked in three months or maybe six months, and um, that's a the better route to go. And then start statins if you're not um, successful with that. Um, next text, is there any long-term effects of taking senna? Senna is for constipation, um, not that I'm aware of. It's from a plant, um, and it just simply gets your bowels moving a little better. The only long-term effects of senna, if you don't need it, is that you might have some diarrhea and loose stools, but um, I'm not aware of any um, problems um, long-term taking that. Okay, here, let's go to the next one. Is there anything to the med coenzyme Q10? Um, I'm not an expert on this, but I know a guy who's a cholesterol expert who says it's supposed to be really good for mm. um, um, people with cholesterol problems. There's not a ton of proof on that, but it's probably not harmful Okay, for cholesterol problems. All right. Let's see. Uh, we have time? Been, or been, or sure. Let's do this. Uh, uh, Jim in Apple Valley has been uh, waiting on the phone. Go ahead, Jim. Thank you. Yes, sir. I have uh, – I'm not sure a couple of problems. I have a disease, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, neurofibromatosis. No, you nailed it. That's right. But um, I've had it since I was 27. I am now 73, but about three months ago, I started having pain up in my left shoulder, and uh, they took x-rays, and they said they found something um, in my lungs. Also, when I had been working, I worked at uh, a company, the Ford Motor Company, but I worked around asbestos. Yeah. And now my uh, they sent me to a pul pulmonologist, 
And he's sending me in for an x-ray, you know, uh, for this. Um, I guess they said, put in um, some sort of a chemical. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know now if it has anything to do with the asbestos I worked with or if it's the NF or, you know. Yeah, good questions, um, Jim. Uh, it's good. It, there's a lot there to kind of unravel, yeah. but the thing is, uh, let me try a, just to kind of piece it out. Asbestos is a risk factor for a specific type of lung problem uh, called mesothelioma, which is a, basically a lung cancer. Um, it, it's a different kind of lung cancer than the rest of us that you might be familiar with. If you were a smoker and had asbestos exposure, you're at very high risk of, of that. If you're a non-smoker, asbestos alone is a risk for mesothelioma. Um, it's not a common cancer, but it is associated with asbestosis. So you should get imaging of your lungs. So X-ray is the place to start, and the next thing is to get a high-resolution CT or CAT scan. And I'm sure your doctors are going down that route. Whether Now, the second bit is your NF or your neurofibromatosis. I don't know if this is related, but I'm kind of guessing not. Um, there's a saying in medicine that common things are common, which sounds stupid, but uh, there's another saying in medicine that when you hear horse, or when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. In other words, think of the common things. And um, I suppose that saying doesn't work if you live in Tanzania, but it works if you live in Minnesota. When you think hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. And so the horses of lung problems are lung cancer, emphysema, um, other other problems in your lungs um, that are more common. Um, the neurofibromatosis would be more of a zebra. It's less common. And so I don't, I think your lung problems are probably unrelated, but that is by no means a certainty. So get a, get a pulmonologist, get a lung specialist, and definitely looked at for the asbestos-related uh, problems because that's a real thing. All right, we have about a minute to go. Maybe we grab one more text. Okay, here's before. a text that says, can gout form in the leg, maybe in the calf area? rather than in the regular foot area. I have constant pain in the right calf area. To, to this texter, the answer is yes, gout can appear anywhere. It's just a zillion times more common in the joints. And so um, uh, it's, it, it doesn't just have to be in the foot joint. It can be in the ankle, the, the knee, the um, elbow, the fingers. It can be anywhere. And so maybe you're having pain in your calf due to gouty problems in your joints of your legs. But it also can form what are called tophi, Singular is tophus, and those can form darn near any way in your body. And so, yes, you can get gout all over the place. So if you're worried about that, do have your rheumatologist or your primary doctor check some uric acid levels and maybe treat you with the very effective medications for gout. A couple of things. Who is going to be on the show next week, and how do we get in touch with the doc if we need one? Thanks, Danny. Mammography next week. Breast Cancer Awareness Month is October. We're going to, we're going to focus in on mammography and breast cancer with Dr. Tony Sievert and others from Hennepin's uh, Breast Cancer uh, Center. And um, to get a hold of any yeah. one of us, 612-873-6963 or myhealthymatters.org. Very good. We'll see you back here next week with more Healthy Matters. Stay tuned next for your money here on 830-WCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 